Today's conversation is with Anna Rosenwasser, and this is the Talent to Human podcast. Gary V tweeted on Twitter saying, hey, I really need help on YouTube. Please email me. They ended up offering me a job to work as a YouTube analyst on Team Gary. are in control of you. What you learn is not to you. Focusing on reflection for the past couple of years, it's really incredible because you're able to see benchmarks in your own team. know what you want. For me, I just going to go to time because I was just afraid of it. slow to the past right now is because I was watching. Don't need you in the right business anymore. I totally believe that. Like Are you interested in it? Are you passionate about it? Are you excited about it? Have you explored yourself enough to know? Is entrepreneurship something you're cut out for? I see her in the intro. My guest today is Anna Rosenwasser. She is the director of the Swiss lesbian organization LAWS, LGBTQ activist and journalist. She is based in Zurich and uh, we are about to dive into one of the most interesting conversations I probably have so far on the podcast because this is my first time talking to a member of the LGBTQ community about the uh, the process of growing up, developing our talents, and dealing with our mental health and making sure that we know how to handle the the you know the things that come through into our lives when we when we feel anxious when we feel stress and and when we just try to understand ourselves and i think it's an important topic and i'm so excited to have on the show this beautiful human being called anna rosenwasser welcome to the show anna hi there i'm so glad to be here all right so the um uh, the previous, you know, in, intro into the show, we started talking about, you know, kind of getting to know each other, and uh, you kind of share, um, you know, how you you discover um, your your sexuality and your, you know, the, you know, your 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 attraction to the to the same sex after being engaged. <laughs> so, <clears throat> yes. yes, I'm gonna go right there, <laughs> and I'm gonna hit on that right there, right now, and uh, and I think that's like. That's actually really, really interesting because um, a lot of people that I've, you know, I, I, I have friends in the, uh, in the LGBTQ community and um, mainly guys that, um, that will say, well, I came out, um, you know, and I knew I was gay when, you know, when I was 10, or when I was 12 or, or mm-hmm. you know, I didn't figure it out until I was, um, you know, a teenager or, or maybe in my 20s. Like, my, for example, my brother, um, I have a twin brother who who is um, gay, married, happily, and uh, he um, he didn't come out until we were close to 30, or I think, yeah, like right before our 30th oh. birthday. And um, uh-huh. that was um, that was pretty interesting. He used to get more mm-hmm. girls than I did, and so I don't know um but yeah that was pretty interesting and and to to have that happen in in my family um was pretty pretty interesting to me uh because I I got to see firsthand the um the way that this affected him um the emotional toll that it took to actually come out the years of hiding um um this this reality even for himself and accepting it and um and i think that this has a a big impact like if you ask our family 
uh, they would have probably said that I was the gay twin and not him because mm -hmm. my brother is not fashion forward. My brother is not, and neither is his husband. They're like, I always say they are the worst gay couple there is because they are, you know, they wear basketball shorts. So, and, and sandals with socks. So, <laughs> which even me as a straight man, I won't do. So <laughs> <laughs> if they do it, you know, more power to them. And, and, and both of them are very, you know, like um, still very masculine and, and, and not, um, you know, feminine in, the, uh, in their mannerisms and stuff like that. Um, so I think that's, uh, that was an interesting dynamic. And it was interesting to me to see it because it also had an effect on me. To, to me, it was like, wait, this person that who I thought I knew, so that also had an effect on me, you know, how, you know, dealing myself with the reality of um, what he was going through and not having been able to be there for him, you know, more supportive and more, you know. Um, mm -hmm. So how did, how, how did you, like, growing up, like, you know, kind of like walk me through the, through your, kind of your story. Um, and, and let me know if you actually dealt with it in a way where like, oh yeah, no, I didn't get affected at all. Like I was, you know, mentally strong and ready to go or, you know, yeah, this had a toll <laughs> on me or, you know, just like share mm -hmm. with me a little bit of that. Sure. Um, so I think the first impression of love I've had was absolutely amazing. I was 17 when I fell in love with that guy and it was it was perfect as perfect as can be with the in, at the age of 17 we were in a very happy relationship. Looking back it was like surprisingly healthy as well considering of um how young we were uh and we stayed uh, together for a, a very long time, something between 3 and 3 and a half years. And that was my very first um impression of love and sexuality and it was a beautiful one um we wanted to stay to get together forever we plan we had many plans but it didn't work out in the end so i found myself at the age of 20 um being single again being heartbroken for the first time but still having this very strong impression that love sexuality is one of the greatest things I can I can feel and have and be. Um, at that point though, I did not realize yet, I ha haven't realized yet that I am not only into guys, but also into women, um, which makes me bisexual. Um, and I didn't really have a concept of what bisexuality is because it's rarely ever seen anywhere in public. Like there are no bisexual narratives you don't at least at least not like 15 years ago right you didn't have bisexual characters in the books I read or the movies I saw or just advertisement or fairy tales or school books you don't have that you sometimes have a glance at homosexuality a negative one most of the time and most of the time it's about gay guys and not lesbians um, you have tons of heterosexual narratives, but you never have any kind of character who is into more than one gender. So it took me a long while to realize that I might be one of those because I never, I've never seen someone like that. Um, and also, I kind of was like, yeah, 
everyone is into women, right? Women just are kind of hot. They're like the, the gender, right? Because whenever you see, most of the time when you see women, for example, in advertisements, they're super sexualized. So it's very normalized to have this view on women that they're just considered hot in general. So me finding women hot, I thought, this is one version of being straight, right? Just finding women hot casually. Um, took me a while to realize finding women hot as a woman is not a straight thing. <laughs> <laughs> Even I like one time I was like kissing a girl, but like in the Katy Perry kind of way, you know, like hope my boyfriend don't mind it. Ha ha ha. It's never like women kissing women is either a fetish as in like pornography category, right? Yeah. Or it's not taken serious at all. Yeah. So no wonder it took me a while to actually taking it serious that I'm actually attracted by women. Um, and I told myself, no, I, I could never fall in love with a woman. At the same time, I knew very well that there is a gay community somewhere, but it was always shown as a community with a lot of gay guys and then some lesbians. And I'm neither of them. So I felt like a bi spy going to a gay party. I didn't feel gay enough because I was still dating guys. I, I love guys. I'm super attracted to them. It's like I enjoyed it. And I always, always did, still do. And I, I had a hard time feeling like I belonged. And at some point I thought to myself, maybe, I, maybe I'm not a community person. You know, maybe I just don't belong in group situations because I tried other like subcultures you know like oh back in days like subversive anti-fascist uh groups or like the vegan community which i love but i never really felt like i belonged in any kind of groups i figured i wasn't a group person and then at one point um i joined um an, an open open meeting for a queer magazine and being a journalist I told myself, yeah, I'm going there because I want to write articles for magazines. The true reason was I was desperate for, for this queer community feeling, meeting people who um, don't fit the gender norm, which is something um, I am also just fascinated by. I went there and I fell in love with the community. They never gave me the feeling that I'm not gay enough or not queer enough. I didn't have to know terms like queer to belong. They didn't test me or anything. I just belonged. They welcomed me like I've always been wishing for. And I stayed. And it gave me the freedom to actually experience attraction freely and worry about labels later. Yeah, that's, uh, <clears throat> that's actually a very um, you know, fascinating um, narrative that you, that you um that you have because um i you know I've, I've experimented myself um with both sexes and uh not to you know a full extent to like you know um have had sex with the same sex but you know i've you know kissed one or two guys here and there so i <laughs> um i actually feel that that this is something that it it can be um, 
it could be strange for people. Like, like I know for a fact that I am not sexually attracted to men, okay? But that doesn't mean that I will not recognize when a man is, or when a man is like, you know, handsome and attractive. Like, you know, sure. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look at Army Hammer from Call Me By Your Name and be like, damn, that guy's hot. <laughs> and still feel confident enough to know that, you know, that's not, I'm and not gonna also, act on anything like that, so. Uh, attraction is quite a spectrum. People have a tendency to look at it in a black and white manner, like either you're attracted to a gender and that makes you like that, um, that tells you what sexual orientation you have, but there are so many different ways of attraction. There, there are kinds of attraction where you admire a person's look or are attracted to them without wanting to do anything with or to them. And I am not the person to tell you what kind of attraction makes you gay, bi, straight, or even asexual. I mean, there's also a whole spectrum of people who do not um, experience sexual attraction or romantic attraction. It's all a spectrum. Yeah. And this makes it exciting and interesting and fascinating, but it also makes it hard to find a label and an identity for yourself. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's what the people and, and most people kind of deal with in, in the sense of, you know, how do I, like you said, you know, how do I find somewhere where I belong? Do I, am I a community right? person? Am I, am I just, um, you know, not meant to express myself fully because I won't be understood. And, and I think this happens even outside of like, for example, like say the LGBTQ community and, and it, you know, separating from, you know, from, from gender identity in itself. Um, like I have a really good friend who's transsexual and um, to me at first that was kind of like, okay, how do I, I'm a very logical person. So understanding the dynamics of that was a little bit um interesting uh i wouldn't call it difficult but it was um it was something where i needed to understand the logic behind it but then i realized that mm -hmm. logic does not play a role in this because it's a it's, it's all about feeling it's all about who we are internally and how we want yeah. to express ourselves so <clears throat> that that was like one of those things that that to me kind of felt um you know outside of that um that that world of of my own understanding like you you feel like okay well I've learned so many things growing up I've learned so many things about uh, myself I've you know study I've done all this stuff and then all of a sudden you know you get thrown a curveball that you don't expect to even you know mm -hmm. even coming from a sociolo sociological uh, standpoint and and yeah that you know I, I'm as open-minded as it comes like honestly I you know the, the whole live and let live falls short with me because <clears throat> I mean I'm not one to let you I mean you do you like <laughs> I shouldn't be yeah. the uh the one but but there's also like certain other like other other people like for example um you know people that that are into different things like i can't even begin to ca categorize things but um like 
people that don't find a place to belong in um, because they might be different, they might think differently. Um, like I think of like people in the, um, you know, like, like I wonder what feels terrorism. Um, and, and I wonder if these people that, they, that get recruited by these terrorist groups are, you know, they are very vulnerable, at a very vulnerable stage when they get accepted and, and welcomed by these people like, you know, um, that, that paint to them a, a world and a picture of, you know, where they are a value member of, you know, that community. And, and I think that if we don't talk enough about understanding that, like you said, you know, we might not be community people that we have to find belonging within ourselves as well and acceptance within ourselves. I think that's, um, um, that, that could prevent a lot of things, especially, you know, when you, when you go into the radical um, uh, spectrum of things. For me, it also has to do a lot with in-group, out-group. When you've experienced being excluded in your life, you will, especially in your early life, you will do everything in order to be part of the group. And the only way you can be part of the group is by making sure that some people are not part of the group, which makes you feel powerful. And this is always dangerous when it comes to any kind of community. While we want to be a group that we belong and while we want to welcome people, we have to be super careful not to exclude anyone, especially if we are people um, that have experienced um, several kinds of exclusion, which is unfortunately often the case with people who don't fit in, into the gender norm because they're gay or because they're trans. Um, and this is definitely a challenge. Also, you said you're a logic person. I think when it comes to gender identity and sexual orientation, it's a lot about intuition. I mean, even if you do fit the gender norm, for example, I'm, I'm a cis woman means they told me I'm a woman, I, I'm a girl when I came out of my mom and I still agree that I'm a woman, I, that this is considered the norm, right? Yeah. How do I explain this logically? It's just an inner sense of knowledge that I am a woman. It's, there's no logic behind it. It's not just my genitals. If, if I had to get my genitals removed, I would still consider myself a woman. There's no actual logic behind gender. It's just a lot of culture. And our task is to give everyone the freedom to find the identities that they feel at home at, no matter whether they fit the norm or not. And the way we can do that is by building safe communities. We can't do that on our own as individuals. We are not just individuals isolated from the rest of the world. If I go out on the streets, the world will let me feel what they think about me and whether I am part of the norm or not. And the most powerful thing I can do is, solid, well, is solidarize with other people who have something in common with me. Um, and that way we get strong without excluding people, without being mean to people, but being uh, lovely to ourselves. 
Yeah, no, that's actually, that's actually beautiful. That, that's, um, let me ask you a question. Um, sure. So we, you know, you are obviously a talented human. Um, you are, um, you know, you've gotten success as a journalist and, um, and you've, you know, you, you, you lead a very important organization and probably one of the strongest nations in the world and one of the most important ones. And, um, um, there is a big, uh, rise right now of young people, um, who are disrupting the way the world is, is growing from an economical standpoint. Like, you know, um, mm -hmm. you've we got a lot of young entrepreneurs, kids that are, you know, so technologically advanced that they're building and creating amazing things. And, um, you know, we, it might not be that much different than it was in the past. It's just that we're so worldwide interconnected that we actually get to see it. Yep. Um, and then we have this, this thing, right? The women glass ceiling, a so-called, yeah. how much more difficult is it for, for, um, for, for um, LGBTQ um, people to understand that, that they are not different or that they have the same chances than, you know, the so-called white male or, you know, the so-called white woman that, you know, that, you know, sadly still continue to be at the top of the food chain when it comes to, you know, how society see things and does things, you know, in a way, you know, we still see, you know, people of color being, you know, marginalized and, and, and people from minority groups and, and developing countries being marginalized. So how do, how do that plays into, into, you know, for example, like you leave this community, so you might get to see, you know, maybe someone express that concern. And, and, and I know mm -hmm. that there's a lot of people out there that, you know, they might be struggling. And um, uh, today, more than ever, we see more young people coming out uh, both um, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transsexual. Um, like I think of like, you know, from a, from a notoriety standpoint, um, Angelina Jolie's and Brad Pitt's daughter, um, who, you know, identifies as a, as a boy. She's 13. And, you know, so, she's, she's, um, she's, he's there. Yeah, yes, exactly. I, it's like, to me, it's like so complicated to like, I but I want to like make sure that people understand it's who fine. we're talking about. It's one, of, one of the problems is we don't learn at school anything about queer identities. So exactly. no wonder people are making mistakes or refer to queer people in a way that they don't prefer. Yeah. Because we don't that stuff taught at school. It's one of the main yeah. problems. And I'm like, kind of um, like, uh, I was taking the uh, direction that I see it still in the news that she's referred as the daughter of Brad and Angelina. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But you can tell that, you know, from a young age, um, you know, if, if you've seen the photos of the, of, of her growing up or him growing up, um, mm -hmm. yeah. they, um, they always showcase this, this direction. And, and I think um, it's interesting to me to say, to see, okay, well, how do we help people understand that, you know, there's no difference. Like we are all at the end of the day, humans. Hmm. My standpoint is there are differences and that is all right. I don't want to prove to anyone 
how normal I am because I do not agree with the with what is considered normal. Um, your question is very um, has many layers. It's really complex because it's also based in the multi-dimensional topic of yeah. privilege, right? Absolutely. Um, who gets listened to? Um, whose faces are shown in our world and in the media? Um, who will get jobs? Who will get apartments? Who has access to any kind of healthcare? So this is so multi-dimensional that I will and do struggle with answering. <laughs> you can do you know your best. Like I mean, I don't expect you to have all the answers, <laughs> but like it's uh, it's 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 a topic that I um. I you know I kind of like um, thought about when when we you know um, mm. uh, thought of um, having this conversation and uh, I just wanted to bring it up. <laughs> so one thing that is very important to me is strengthening queer people, empowering them. On one hand, ourselves within our community. On the other hand, so-called allies who might not be part of the LGBTQ community but who have um, numerous ways of supporting us. Um, of course, we can always um, teach uh, non-queer people how to respect us, but at the same time, what I focus on in my work as well is empowering queer people so they can be themselves unapologetically, because that way you have, um, it is a lovely, coming out is a lovely thing. It takes a lot of courage. One of the side effects it has is by being yourself and being a proud queer person, um, you, whether you want it or not, you will give hope and power to other queer people, especially the ones who are not outed yet. So the more we are being ourselves proudly and unapologetically, the more other queers will um, go their way as well. And this is something, a wonderful phenomenon that I think can be seen in the Western, in the Western culture in the past uh, 10 years. It has, being queer and being out has been more um, present in the public. Yeah. And it has led to many positive, um, positive uh, developments. Yeah, I, 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 I'm absolutely, you know, 100% in, in all of it because I, so my, my philosophy has always been like, we are who we are, right? Um, and, and if, and if I, you know, if I could be a little controversial and introduce religion and God into the conversation, mm -hmm. If it's true what the Bible says, that we were created in the image of God, mm -hmm. then God is straight, gay, lesbian, bisexual, queer, whatever you want to add, whatever, you know, transsexual, uh, asexual, bisexual, mm -hmm. you know, non-binary, binary, whatever other terminology, black, white, uh, Indian, yeah. Asian, um, yeah. you know, dog, tree, chair, yeah. everything is created in the image of God, it's universal. So why do we 
why don't we continue to tell ourselves that you know one thing might be right and might one thing might be wrong and especially so, when it comes to people i think we are all humans i think you know if i you know bring also a race like um we're, we're just human beings and i think that's at the end of the day what matters most yeah i think culturally and historically what we can see is um for most of the time humanity was based on men being super powerful women not only being less powerful but being suppressed and the traditional marriage being at the core of our culture so now there are people i mean queer people have always existed we've existed mm -hmm. as long as humanity has existed but now when we're out and proud we're criticizing um that construct of one man one woman they have to found a family and this is the core of of our culture um looking at divorce rate i wouldn't even say that straight marriage has been working so far at all um i have so actually um uh, uh, actually have a, a a very uh kind of funny um saying like i said that the first the first step towards divorce is marriage well, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you don't so ever want to be divorced or get married. <laughs> <laughs> what I think is that our concept of love and gender has never been perfect. Our concept of love and gender has always also consisted of oppression, but it has consisted for a long time. And people do not like change. It's a very human thing to be very scared of change. And I think this is one of the reasons why people are scared shitless. If there are people who do not um, fit the gender norm, of trans mm. people, of people whose sexuality will not end in a straight marriage, they're scared. And that makes them angry because angry is, feels more safe than being scared. Yeah. Um, and this yeah. is how I explain, I explain to myself um, how people are... Uh, queerphobic, homophobic, transphobic. Yeah, I honestly, like, it's funny because people are normally um, afraid of change, which I, it, to, me, it, to me, it, it is baffling. <laughs> okay, the only thing that is constant is change. We see it on a daily basis. Temperature changes daily, hourly. Time changes seasons change and we all adapt to all of those changes very easily we put on a coat we take out an umbrella if it starts raining we put on sunglasses if the sun is shining we adapt to change faster than and and and, and that you know when it when it's like nature change but when it's something that feels different from what we can control then that, that, that completely shifts this, the dynamic. And I'm like, oh my God, now it's a terrifying thing. Oh my God, this is changing. <gasps> yeah, like, I mean, like, change is one thing, but feeling like you lose control over something that has been the same for um, yeah. most of your life feels threatening. Yeah. And this is the scary part for mm -hmm. many people. And I mean, I can, I can totally see why, of course. Like, I don't think my life has ever been constant. <laughs> so I might have been like, I better benefited from that, and um, so I've, I've I've always had a very good way of adapting to changes in my life. 
um, you know, um, and so for me, doing for me, it's kind of hard to see, you know, the reality that most people are different and most people are, um, you know, sometimes terrified of, of 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 changes because like so many things have been so constant in their lives. Like if you know, for example, if you are born poor, and your whole life you're poor that's all you know and then riches come about that's a scary situation if you're all the time rich and then you are some find yourself poor then that's a change that's completely different like i'm being like mm-hmm. kind of like um um mm-hmm. um extreme here but the uh those those changes to me like um like i've experienced all of it like i wasn't warm born wealthy but my dad did fairly well for you know while I was growing up and like he built a life and a career and 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 and, and certain wealth and, and I got to experience both you know not being rich and kind of being rich and like being able to afford certain things that others couldn't and um travel uh which you know a lot of my family members couldn't and uh like I still have family that's never been to the U.S. or even travel internationally at a high level and I've been afforded that in um in many many ways over than then since I was six mm-hmm. so these things you know like I remember I, I have cousins that I think they first left Venezuela to immigrate before that they never travel outside of Venezuela mm-hmm. um and I had you know through through my, you know, growing up, you know, traveled to many other countries. And they, they, they couldn't, uh, you know, see that. And I, you know, I experienced the moments when we could and the moments when we couldn't. So I experienced that balance and like ups and downs. And so change was always persistent in my life. And I was able to like understand the the way of, of adapting to, to situations. And, but I understand but, like how change can be you know, when it's outside of your control, mm-hmm. be stressful, mm-hmm. can be um, mentally damaging. How do you? But yeah, I, I, I want. Sorry, I want to shift a little bit here. Um, how do you, um, and and your organizations um, take uh, mental health into consideration when you guys do whatever it is that you do uh, to help and empower the community, especially when when it comes to. Um, I want to focus here on the people that have been, um, you know, not out yet and and uh, and have been mm-hmm. struggling for a very long time. Um, mm-hmm. Is there is there anything that's being done in the community in the LGBT community uh, that you know of um, to help people with their mental stability and mental health? Because I think it's so important to that we take care of that as well as like everything else mm-hmm. and. Uh, I, I want to get to the point where mental health is not a thing because it's part of the healthcare. Um, very much so, very much so. I mean, there's so, so many aspects of our physical health where you just do regular checkups in order to keep healthy. Yeah. I want to have regular checkups for um, our, our mental health, of, of course, because it's very, I mean, it's very common to not be mentally healthy for your whole life it's just something sometimes it's just something that happens sometimes it's about um, your genes sometimes it's just out of nowhere it's just like you can get sick out of nowhere um, in your body anyway so one problem we have in switzerland and it 
most of Western um, countries, I'd say, is mental health is quite a taboo. Talking about feelings is considered like pussy shit, and it's never taken <laughs> as real information. I'm saying pussy shit um, on purpose because I think that whatever is considered feminine is considered less valid, you know? It's not like, it's not the logic, rational, hard information. Talking about feelings is considered soft and weak and feminine. And this is part of our problem. It is something very sexy. Um, so one thing that has to radically change is considering mental health as part of our general health. Mm -hmm. And the ironic thing about making mental health a taboo is most of the time it makes <laughs> most mental illnesses get worse by making it a secret, keeping it a secret and hiding it from other people because hiding stuff from other people is super stressful and stress is super bad for your mental health. Actually, um, I think um, I think one of the biggest things in mental health, one of the biggest uh, afflictors to our mental health are anxiety and stress. Yeah, totally. Like, totally. So speaking of hiding things being bad for your mental health, this already starts to explain how queer people um, have a worse mental illness um, state compared to uh, cis straight people, um, which is not, you know, Many people think it makes us just super ha unhappy and depressed to be queer, um, which is not the case. Most of us love being queer and love being ourselves. I love being attracted to several genders. It's one of the best things in my life. What we do have a problem with is how we are treated by society for being who we are. And this is an amount of stress that I think most people can't even grasp if they're not in it for example i am not a trans person i can only read on how stressful it can be to be a trans person in a world that do not that does not accept trans people yeah. um it is we also as a society underestimate stress and discrimination we think, okay, the discrimination is when you're a guy kissing your boyfriend and someone out of the car might scream something like, fucking faggot, and that's it, and this is the discrimination. But discrimination and stress can also be the feeling when you just leave your house or enter a room and you immediately feel that you are not safe. And having that as a regular um, experience, as an experience, part of your day-to-day -day life is damaging to your mental health. Um, of course, this is not only this is not, not only something queer people experience, it's something many people experience for many different reasons. Um, but it is something that queer people statistically experience a lot. Um, there are statistics about it. In Switzerland, you say um, suicide rates among um, queer people and being suicidal means not actually committing suicide but having the thoughts and the feelings of it. Um, queer people uh, have a five times higher um, what do you call it? Wahrscheinlichkeit. Um, like like a risk. 
they're the of, risk. Yeah, their risk of um, being suicidal is five times higher compared to non-queer people, especially young people. Yeah. Um, and this, for me, are super clear numbers on how discrimination is still a thing, especially in countries that we consider modern. Switzerland is considered so modern, but it's not modern. We're just rich and that's it. There is actually a ranking of how LGBTQ friendly a country in Europe is, and there are 49 countries in it. And Switzerland is, let me look it up. Switzerland is um, on place rank uh, 28. That's not even in the middle. That's worse. It's, please don't tell me that. Like, please, please don't tell me that the number one is like Sweden or Finland because that would be so. Um... <laughs> mm, uh, number one tends to surprise people. Number one is Malta. Malta. And number two is Belgium, and then comes Luxembourg, and then you have all the northern countries like Finland, Denmark, no Norway, the ones you would expect. Yeah, exactly. Um, like it's Germany, almost the. Uh... Yeah. Germany, for example, is place uh, rank 16, which isn't too good either. Yeah. Um, so we have this tendency of overestimating how modern rich countries, how open they are and how gay friendly they are, while not only our culture, but also our policies are not modern at all when it comes to queer people. Like, I can't even marry my girlfriend in Switzerland and Switzerland is considered super modern. We don't even have the same right when it comes to something like marriage. So this is where we stand. And this explains a lot of the mental stuff that queer people have to go through. Yeah. Compared no. With, no, go ahead, go ahead. Um, combined with the fact that um, no matter your gender or your sexual orientation, mental health is a taboo here. And it takes a lot to actually um, realize I might have to go to therapy. You know, yeah. even thinking, even thinking, do I need therapy would be a very clear sign that you should try therapy. Um, just like you go to your doctor when something aches and you just don't know what it is. Um, but for most people, it takes so much more suffering to actually seek help. And I don't think it is accessible enough to just look for a therapist. Most of the people I know do not have any idea where to find a therapist that suits them and how that goes and what the process is, all because it's quite a taboo. You can easily just ask your mom or your friends or your coworker whether they know, um, you know, a doctor for when your ears hurt, and they will tell you and recommend you people. But it is a completely different story to tell them, hey. I think what I experience is panic attacks. Do you know anyone? Yeah. Usually this is not considered normal and um, it's a huge taboo and that's part of the problem. Yeah, I, I honestly, I, when, when I started the podcast, um, it all started because I heard someone speak on, on a LinkedIn video, a 17 year old at the time, um, about how high suicidal rate were among young people, eight, uh, 16 to 35 to 45, um, mm. and how um, how it was it was all because of um, you know not 
and not being able to to realize our purpose and and the struggle that you know when you have to deal with with naysayers and and when you have to deal with people that you know tell you oh well you're talented at this well why don't you do something and then at the same time say well you're so young why are you doing it and some people go into hiding and they don't realize their potentials and do something else that then they regret later in life and then they're 45 and killing themselves and also they're too young to understand the pressure of it all and and then they go into this other stages and and then this is when you get teenagers killing themselves because they can't handle pressure. Imagine, I can only imagine how much harder it is when, for example, like I think of places like I, I can only speak to places like uh, the U.S. because it's where I have more relevance and more knowledge from. But I think of places like Alabama and Kentucky and where, you know, you have this, you know, very religious, very um, conservative values, you know, in the, in the family standpoint. And and then that leads to that leads to you know these kids that might you know feel that they're so different to fit in within that even family reality of like you know you you know you you can't be gay because well you're a man and and you know you maybe you're supposed to be a cowboy or uh, yeah like it's like. And I don't want to be stereotypical at all, but um, I I do I do feel that that we have to honestly like mental health is such a critical critical thing for 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 all of us. Like I I remember I think it was like maybe like 10, 15 years ago I saw my first kind of like experience and and so firsthand someone with Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. and this was probably like the first time I started thinking about mental health on a more serious level. Um, because I always told myself, like, I would not like to be in that position. It, it has to be, I, like I saw the effect that it had in the people I loved um, that, that, that had to deal with the situation. Um, my, my, my aunt's husband, his mom had Alzheimer's and she could remember things about his infancy but she couldn't remember him in person at the time. So for mm-hmm. him, it was really hard to even go see his mom because it hurts so much to see his mom in that stage. So here we have someone dealing with mental health, which is the, grand, the mom with Alzheimer's. And then you have the son who's being mentally afflicted by the yeah. condition of his mom because he can't handle the fact that she can't remember him at all but she can she can remember his you know his she, she can remember her son from when she was younger and when he was growing up but she's looking at him not knowing that's him that has to be yeah. the most heart-wrenching thing someone can experience and I saw him in a way sometimes even crying about how hard and how mm-hmm. difficult it was and this this kind of opened up my eyes to the thought of you know what well, we think you know can he go to a doctor yeah, I mean, the important thing about this is there are therapists, even specialized ones, when it comes to this form of loss. Yeah. Like, if something really bad happens to you, to you within your life, it is not your sole individual responsibility to get over it. You can seek for help. 
like if you break your leg, you wouldn't consider yourself responsible for making it heal, right? You wouldn't even rely on friends on, on healing it. You would go to an actual specialist that helps you with, with healing. And it should be the same way when it comes to, um, to mental health. It's not, you can't just, on one hand, I mean, you can clearly not just keep it to yourself. It will get worse most of the time. But telling it to a friend is only a first step. Your friend helping you with mental health issues is like putting a a Band-Aid on a broken leg. It will not, it will not heal what is actually broken at the moment absolutely i feel feel like it's not accepted how many specialists could help us with with um mental mental illness right yep and we can talk about this yeah for like a ton of hours um (laughs) we could (laughs) uh yeah because it's such a and i I, honestly i want to take up uh take away the taboo i i'm reminded of the conversation Mm -hmm. on netflix with um Dave Letterman on his show, my next my next guest, he had Kanye West, and I still gush over how brilliantly he he got Kanye to open up about his mental health struggles and how beautifully he put it, like how emotional he got because he he talks about how and it, it is my goal um, to to eventually be able to talk to him about this, but um, I it, it struck me as something really important when he said that. Um, if you go to the doctor and you are um, bleeding from or, or, or ill with something, you know, you immediately get all the best care and the doctor, hospitals do everything to treat you with the utmost respect. But when you're yep. going to, you know, if you're bipolar or if you have yeah. schizophrenia or if you have any, any of this you know, taboo and like conflicted diseases, um, then they immediately say, well, you're crazy. They label you as, as, as fucking crazy. Yeah, and then they- as much more stigma. Yeah. Exactly. And then, and then the, the care is nowhere near as it should be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what I said before is that talking to a friend is only the first step, but I also feel like talking about it must be the first step. Mm-hmm. Um, I was lucky enough to be like mentally super healthy for most of my life. And about two years ago, I experienced something that was rather traumatic. It was a false alarm, but there was like something like a mass panic um, in a shopping center. And I thought I I was gonna die. And my mind did not get over this. Of course it didn't because it was super, super bad, right? Um, And I, developed uh, forms of anxiety that I did not know before. Um, I experienced being scared and feeling threatened when there was no actual threat. And I didn't know this before. And it took me a while to realize something is wrong. My, like, my psyche is not handling threats and anxiety well. This might be some kind of an anxiety disorder or panic disorder. Uh, And what I did is I posted on Facebook uh, that I am interested in uh, exchange um, about anxiety disorder 
um, and that people should just uh, DM me if uh, they have to, if they want to tell me about their experiences. And what happened then is something I really did not expect. Within two hours, I got 50 messages, 50, five zero, 50 messages from people so different that really had me surprised. I thought it would be mostly queer people and mostly young people, um, but the age range was super wide and it was people who told me about their anxiety and panic disorders, they were so different. It, the range was like from the teenager to the super successful businessman. And it made me realize of how common mental health issues such as anxiety and panic disorder actually are. And for me, it gave me the strength um, to actually seek a therapist. Um, and as soon as I started talking open about it, so many people around me started to, as a, in a way, come out to me as people who have experienced similar stuff as well. And it, it helped me a lot, but it also showed me how much of a taboo it is. Sometimes those are people who I've been having around for years and they never talked to me about that. They never felt safe enough to actually tell me, yeah, sometimes I experience panic out of nowhere and it's super stressful and I'm taking meds and I got better or I got even worse, whatever. Um, so for me, opening up about this topic showed me of how common it actually is and how helpful it can be to destigmatize it. I absolutely, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm happy that you went through that. Um, <laughs> Because it, you know, sometimes it takes a, a radical thing and a, and, a, and a strong thing. I've, I honestly, I've never really experienced, other than the death of my grandmother, um, which was the lowest point of my mental health, um, and I was only nineteen. Um, hmm. um, the uh, it took me years um, to get over it, but I did seek help, and you know the help the. The, the help I got told me that, you know, this was not something that, that was just going to go away, that I was going to deal with this. There was going to be a sadness throughout my life because of this. I, I had uh, experienced loss in a way that, you know, hurt a little too much um, in the reality. Mm -hmm. um, I felt like I never got to say goodbye. And, mm -hmm. and that, that hurt in, in many, many, many ways. Um, and it, it's almost um, um, like full circle. It didn't really go away until my other grandmother passed away and I got to say goodbye to her. And I got huh. to, like, even though it wasn't the goodbye I wanted to do, I did have the experience and I took it into, into a way because they, um, it, it, was, it was my way to say goodbye to both of them. And and um, you know, I, I carry their names that do in my body, and um, it's a it, it was a kind of like you know, thirteen years later realization that you know it can be better, and uh, and then I don't have to cry every February twenty seventh like, like a little girl. <laughs> but you can, you know, you know no, mean, no, but I mean like I mean that like in the I, I cry way too much. Uh, <laughs> 
not crying enough. Yeah, no, it's uh, I, I mean, I cry with commercials and uh, <laughs> or someone singing beautifully. Like I am yeah. soft as a soft as soft as cotton when it comes to those things. And uh, I'm a very <laughs> emotional person. I wear my emotions on my sleeves. Um, and this is why I'm very logical too, because I am sometimes afraid of my own emotions. Um, I feel like if I let emotions dictate things, I'm gonna make way more mistakes than I do logically. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I try to keep like decision making on a very logical level. Um, like, and it's like I, I always tell people, it's like I don't bet on sports because I'm a very, you know, I'm, I'm really fanatic with sports, um, soccer and, mm-hmm. and, and American football, especially. And mm-hmm. so people say, like, "Oh, you, you know, you know so much about football. Why don't you bet? Why don't you do fantasy football and all this stuff?" And I'm like, way too much heart. It will be all <laughs> about the emotional state of like, you know, my team winning or. Um, and, uh, people tell me, it's like, it's like, I don't understand why people say, you know, my team won, like, oh, we won, we won the game. Like you weren't there. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I was, I was watching, I was rooting. My energy was at there on the field with them at hundred yeah. percent. Like they completed that pass because I was there. Period. Feeling like, like a part <laughs> of something makes you part of something. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, like in, in that emotional state. And I think that's um, that's something um, that I, most people need to be, like you said, you know, um, in touch with, like, um, you know, we should be able to cry freely. And, and I love when people, you know, both men and women are open about their emotions, are open to the fact that, you know, things do hurt and things do make us happy and makes us smile and, um, I think that's um, that's super valuable. I want to start closing in the show by asking you a couple of questions that um, mm-hmm. that I think are important. I want you to, or not a question, but a kind of a request. Um, what message do you have for for the people of your community um, that might not be out yet? And that might be seeking, you know, belong, you know, might be confused. Maybe, maybe the the young, you know, kid that might be or mm-hmm. girl that um, um, might be 10, 12, 13, 14, 15, 20, or the or the or the person mm-hmm. that's, you know, 40, 50 that still struggling with with their identity. What what do you mm-hmm. you know? What message do you want to send out to them? Um, you know, to kind of like tell them it's okay and that they that there is the place and there is. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, so I just want to let people know that the community is there for them, even when they're not out yet, even when they can't leave their home to actual community events yet, we're still there and they're still part of us and we're still rooting for them. Um, on the other hand, if there's any possibility to attend an actual queer event, be it a party or a pride parade or a meetup. I highly recommend people to just go there and experience what it does to them. Um, Because meeting other people like you in real life um, will always be something completely different than looking for the community online and finding the community online. It might um, be an important part of finding yourself. Having said that, there's an amazing community, amazing communities, plural, online, and I encourage people 
to look everything up they've never understood from asexual to trans to just queer and gay and lesbian, whatever. Um, no matter whether they're queer themselves or not, just look it up. Look for communities online, but also offline. We are there and we are so many more people than most of the world would acknowledge. Some uh, statistics say about 10% of people are in some way queer. And that is a lot. That's a few, just a few million, close to a billion people. So, um, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, the other question will be, or the other request would be, um, what kind of message do you have for, for the people outside of the community uh, who still stigmatize and who still um, don't understand that there are no differences, really? Mm -hmm. That we are, both, I, you know, we're all the same. I highly recommend trying to replace fear with curiosity. Um, if something and someone scares the shit out of you, do your research, look it up and look what makes you this scared. But also look into yourself. Why does the topic make you this scared? Um, just try and dive into the topic. If it scares you, you might be fascinated by it. And if, and if it fascinates you, Maybe it's closer to you than you may think. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. I guess like uh, it's so beautiful. Because <laughs> like, I always, I always tell people it's like, um, like, why are you so afraid of gay people? Like, <laughs> what are I you mean, hiding? I'm not that, <laughs> no, 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 I'm not I don't. That every queer phobic person is queer themselves, but, but you know, there are very. There's very um, a very wide spectrum of, of why the 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 differences and the the difference the non differences uh, scare people really because um, it's like you said you know it's the the lack of control on what you think is right or wrong. Mm -hmm. um, I think if we start believing in things by just being a better person, I think uh, we do more right than wrong, and and it's okay to be wrong sometimes too. It's okay to do the wrong yes. thing. This is something I want to tell everyone. It is, I mean, I understand that you're scared of making mistakes, especially when it comes to queer identities. There are so many new terms and none of it gets taught at schools. So it's fine if you're making mistakes as long as you are um, genuinely trying to understand it is. Yeah. It is really. Like I told my friend who's trans that, um, you know, they go by the pronoun they. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and one day I was like, listen, if I call you she or, 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 or her, don't take it. It's just that I'm not used to the, uh, the, uh, the denominations and like the, 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 the terminology of it all. And, and to me still kind of like, I, I was very clear to admit that. And I said, look, if I call you her, it's a day out of my heart. <laughs> And uh, to me, yeah, that was... I mean, as long as you're trying exactly. your best and getting better exactly. at it, it's a matter of uh, it's also a matter of getting used to. Yeah. So I want to say thank you for being on the show. Uh, thank I can. Yeah, I, I I really um I'm, I'm super excited. Um, um, first of all, uh, for our co co producer Ellie, who um, 
was so diligently in you know not only suggesting you but um you know getting you to to be on the show um honestly I, i'm gonna gush a little bit about her right now because she is uh the reason this second season is basically happening i am so busy with my my day today that um it is her uh that makes this stuff happen and uh it's making the second mm -hmm. season a reality she's getting all the guests um and 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 she's connecting with all the people and 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 doing a fantastic job at it so um if you guys um are listening and you wonder who makes this show happen uh her name is ellie hotarelli and uh, she is what's hotarelli i can't pronounce her last name really well she is swiss as well um She's a beautiful human being and a super, super talented human. Thank you, Anna, for being on the show. Thank you, folks. <laughs>